The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Business is a competition. There are winners and losers. There's always someone trying to take your business away. And in business, just like sports, there are players, there are coaches, and there is a scoreboard. Welcome to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Whether you're a manager, executive, business owner, salesperson, or entrepreneur, The Business Locker Room is a show that will create content and conversations that will help you improve your business. Now, let's join your host, Kelly Riggs. Hello, everyone. Great to have you. Good afternoon. Three, just a little bit after three Central Standard Time, one Pacific. Great to have you on board. Another fantastic business locker room show lined up for you today. I'm looking forward to it. By the way, speaking of this show, last week was absolutely spectacular. Josh Allen Dykstra was on board, and we talked about his book, Igniting the Invisible Tribe. I want to encourage you to go listen to that if you have not already. Really good stuff. JoshAllen.com was excited to have him on board. And we've got a fantastic show lined up for you today. Jeff Shore will join us shortly, and we'll talk about his brand-new book, Be Bold, and win the sale. So we'll get started in two or three minutes. If you know somebody in the sales business, someone who is in selling, owns their own company as an entrepreneur, get them on the phone, tell them to tune in. This is a show they're going to want to be a part of. Fantastic book. I'm, I'm just got notes everywhere that I want to talk to Jeff about. It's going to be fantastic. Thanks for visiting the Business Locker Room. It is the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business starting today. You don't have to wait. It's not theory. We're looking for the practical, tactical ideas that you can use on a day-to-day basis. You can learn a lot more about me. I am your host, Kelly Riggs. Learn a lot more about me at bizlockerroom.com. Follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. And of course, uh, coming up later in the show, as is our usual template, Miles Austin will join us for the X's and O's segment. We will continue our conversation from last week. We're talking about mind mapping, and I, I just know so many professionals that benefit from the whole concept of visually mapping out processes and different things that you need to organize. One of those, uh, I, I know Jeff would appreciate when we bring him on board, but mind mapping a book, he talks in his book about writing his book and some of the, the challenges that he you know, was involved with and tried to put that together. And I'm kind of trying to get my words around this idea of the visualization of writing something. Mind mapping is a tool that you can use. Miles is going to talk to us about a couple of different products absolutely free and available for this process. So it should be very good stuff. Coming next week, by the way, mark your calendars. A gentleman by the name of David Burkus will join us. He wrote The Myths of Creativity Fantastic book and just a world-class guest. Had David on a couple of months ago, and we began talking about his book, and I said, we got to bring you back. We didn't get nearly as far as we can. 
And he also does a very, very successful podcast of his own. And we'll talk a lot more about that coming next week on the 25th. Of course, the week after that is Labor Day. We'll take that off. That'll be a replay week. And then we'll get started again on the 8th of September. But I'm excited to welcome into the show Jeff Shore. Jeff uh, has quite a background. He has done a lot of different things that I want to talk about uh, with him. But he is also an acclaimed member of the National Speakers Association, a frequent contributor to a number of business publications. He's written five books. As I mentioned, his most recent, Be Bold and Win the Sale. Get out of your comfort zone and boost your performance. Uh, This is a guy that uh, didn't just write a book, but he actually meshes it up with cognitive behavioral therapy research. We'll figure out what all of that is in the interview, but he takes that and has produced a book that I absolutely highly recommend. Going to try to get it on your must-read list. Get it in your library uh, because it's a good one. You can find Jeff at jeffshore.com. Follow him on Twitter at jeffshore, and we welcome him into the business locker room. Jeff, great to have you. Thank you, Kelly. It's quite an honor and a privilege. Appreciate it. Looking forward to the chat. Well, I know that uh, you have the opportunity to do a lot of these kinds of things. So I I take uh, this as a great honor myself to have you on board. I got to tell you, man, I read a lot. Uh, I mean, I read an awful lot. I don't read quite as much as John Spence, who was a guest on my show a few weeks ago, but I do read enormously. And I got to tell you, loved, loved, loved your book. And I need to go the extra step and get a review on the Am- and on Amazon for you. But uh, there is so much in here. I am. I know that we're not going to get to everything. But let's start with the general premise of the book, and then I'll start diving into a lot of questions that I have. But again, the title of the book: Be Bold and Win the Sale. What does that mean exactly? I think it started with a journey to try and figure out in my years of studying sales professionals, almost about thirty years for me in the sales business. And what makes great salespeople great? That's a question that gets asked a lot. But what I found is so many variables out there where you see people who are seasoned veterans, they're strong. But then you see some people who are brand new, they're also strong. You see people with really outgoing personalities who are great in sales and some who are a little bit more cerebral and yet they're still effective. And so part of it was just trying to find the common thread of what makes top performers exactly that. And and really over time, what it became clear to me, and, and part of it was just a personal journey, but it became clear to me was it really comes down to how do we handle um, the discomforts of our life and specifically in our sales life that we are defined by the decisions that we make in those individual moments of discomfort and top performers it's not that they're not uncomfortable. It's just that they handle the discomfort in a different and better way. Wow, that's that's really interesting. You, you know, inside the book, you did an interview with uh, Alex. Is it Taba? Am I saying Taba? Yeah, Taba. Yeah. And, yeah. and and you talked to he talked about the sales process being ninety percent emotional and ten percent technical. And it's interesting that th- this our conversation sort of uh, jives really well with a fourth in a series of blog posts that I've just published called "One Piece of Advice." What is the one piece of advice you would give someone just starting in the sales profession? And his piece of advice, I thought was pretty interesting. He said, be passionate and be yourself. Is that fairly typical in, in your experience? Well, it, it's something that I think some people uh, have to learn the hard way that when you're either not passionate or not yourself, you get burned by that. When you look at Alex Taba, the number one salesperson for Ferrari in the world, fascinating, fascinating guy. And when I first thought I, I was, you know, I interviewed him first. And then the next time I was in Las Vegas, I actually went to his dealership and met him. 
And I got to tell you, I'm picturing, you know, he's the number one salesperson in Ferrari. I'm picturing, you know, $4,000 suit and the product and the hair and the chains and everything. <laughs> he's not. He's just this happy-go-lucky guy, uh, you know, follically challenged. He's just, nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, he's, you know, he's, just a, he's just every guy. But he is so passionate about his product, and that ex- that's it. Just it flows out of him. There's a you know the the, the good put the the good book puts it this way: uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that which we which is most important to us, we're going to talk about. We're going to demonstrate with our passion, and I love that in my interviews with Alex. You know, if if I'm seeing one thing that's consistent about top sales professionals, Jeff, it's they are follically challenged. <laughs> uh, I, I know you are. I know I am. And now you've got Alex in the mix. Maybe we're finding a pattern here in a in a whole uh, data set of three people. Well, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, the whole premise of the book is that you talk about the discomforts and the decisions we make. And your, your approach and your process is to give thought to those decision points, those things that are discomforting before you even encounter them and make a decision prior to getting there so that you're doing the right thing and not making bad decisions in a, in a time of stress. But how, how do you recognize what those moments of discomfort are? I, th- I think we all know. I, I think it, there's a matter of self-honesty here just to look at it and say, am I, am I really being honest with myself about those moments that cause that shudder, that shiver, that internal dialogue that takes place? Uh, I, I think if we re- were really willing to stop and look at it, we would identify what those moments of discomfort are. The, the fact of the matter is that the sales process can be seen as a series of uncomfortable moments. Sure. And it's not a contest, right? There are different discomforts for different people. But for some, it's prospecting, and for others, it's uh, negotiating, and over here, it's closing, and then follow-up, and computer automation. It, you know, pick your poison. But we all have these moments when we think we have that sale all wrapped up, and the customer says, well, I want to think about it because your competitor is doing this and and you got that moment that you know how are you going to respond in that moment are you going to let that customer go so so if if we in the book we spent a lot of time trying to identify both in sales and frankly just in life in general where are those moments of discomfort and you'll know it there's an internal uh, um, uh, gauge that will that will come up and tell you be careful right here the other reason you know is because you're, the stories that we tell ourselves to be able to deal with those discomforts, if I can identify those stories, then I know, oh, 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 that's a story. I'm making that up to deal with the discomfort. There's no question about it. Being honest with ourselves is going to be critical. But I think if we are honest, we know those moments. We, we see that. If, if I ask people you know, in an audience, uh, how many of you struggle with procrastination? Well, two-thirds of the hand always go up. Sure. Well, you know, what's procrastination? It's a comfort addiction. That's all it is. It, we don't procrastinate on things that we find really comfortable. We only procrastinate on things that concern us, that, that, that cause us that inner angst. So, you know, these are all just different forms of comfort addictions. As soon as we identify them, then we can try and figure out what to do about it. So it's really not the fact that we don't understand what they are. It's just that really we have to have the, the, the willingness, the boldness, if you will, to confront them. I mean, they're there. They're right in front of us. We just need to, we need to acknowledge that. I think so, but I, I take people in the book. I take them through a series of questions to say, "Okay, let's let's do a self evaluation. Here are you know fifty different sales scenarios. Tell me, rank yourself here. Where do you find these most comfortable? Where do you find these least comfortable? And that gets the ball rolling to be introspective enough to try and figure out where the struggle is. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Jeff Shore joining us here in the locker room. He is the author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. Get out of your comfort zone and boost your performance. You talk about uh, early in the book, Jeff, you talk about the law of least effort. I found that to be uh, intriguing that people eventually gravitate. If there are multiple answers to a solution, they eventually gravitate to the least demanding course of action. Certainly, I think that would uh, define a lot of salespeople. I think that we are wired for a sense of a desire for cognitive ease. I think the brain is is uh, is structured such that it's a con- it's a energy conserving machine. So I was asking ourselves, what's the easiest way to do something? In management, we call that efficiency. In sales, we call it laziness. But in management, we call it efficiency. Right. right? So we're always asking ourselves, what's the easiest way? Well. That what that means is that whenever I'm facing a discomfort, my brain is naturally going to look at it and say, what's the easiest way to handle this? And the easiest way is just to not handle it, it's just to, is to simply walk away or to shun that in some way. And we adopt these stories, these rationalizations over time that make it easy for us to be able to do that. But I think that that's really at the core of what we're dealing with here, that, that our brain is going to search for the easy way. And if you look at it from that perspective, if you apply that to, say, um, uh, learning piano or weightlifting, uh, you know, if if my muscle group says, okay, I just lifted five pounds in each hand three times and I have a tiny bit of discomfort, so I'm going to stop, you, you simply will never, ever, ever uh, get any stronger if you give in to that very primitive message from your brain. Uh, that's great stuff. Hey, we're going to come back on the other side of our first break, and I'm going to talk to Jeff some more about a couple of different things. He contends that boldness can and must be learned, and as a matter of fact, he does exactly that. He teaches the process inside the book of how you can become bold in the sales process. So I'm looking forward to much more from Jeff Shore on the other side of our break. We'll take a brief timeout. We'll be right back. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to The Business Locker Room. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Riggs. This is the Business Locker Room Show, the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can take back and begin using immediately to improve the performance 
inside of your business. And joining me on the line is Jeff Shore. You can find him at jeffshore.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Shore. And we're talking about his fantastic book, Be Bold and Win the Sale. Jeff, in the book, you say something really amazing. And I wrote this one down specifically. You say, quote, I made money in a time of prosperity. I learned how to sell in a time of adversity. Love that quote. Tell me more about it. Well, it's actually, it, it's a, a, a very loose paraphrase of, uh, of uh, Solomon's writings in Ecclesiastes. It says it's better to mourn than to dance. Uh, it, the idea here is that there are lessons to be learned in times of prosperity or in times of adversity that we cannot learn in times of uh, of prosperity. If we find that adversity, it makes uh, all the difference in the world. The problem is, once again, this is what we were talking about before the break. Our brain naturally says to avoid anything that even looks like uh, adversity. Dr. Mark Schoen at UCLA wrote a great book called Your Survival Instinct is Killing You. And it speaks to this idea that we, that we listen to this very primitive part of our brain that wants us to run away from uh, adversity, from pain, from discomfort. Uh, but I kind of look at it uh, from a different perspective. If we can adopt that, that idea that the obstacle is the path, it's not on the path, it's not in the way of the path, the obstacle is the path. If we can take that mindset, then uh, we can recognize that that which we thought was adversity might very well be uh, the key to taking us to heights that we've not yet imagined. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I think you can prove that anecdotally in a crowd of any reasonable size. If you ask people, have they failed before, the answers are unanimous. And when you when you follow up with, well, was that a good time in your life when it was all said and done and you could look back in retrospect, did you learn, did you grow, did you develop? And I, and I think most people, Jeff, would admit that that's the case. But on the front side of that failure, uh, we typically don't see it that way. There's no doubt about it. And again, that's just the primitive wiring in our brain. We see discomfort as a threat. And in our, our brain, which is wired towards threat sensitivity, the, the natural reaction is go in the other direction. You've got to retrain your brain if you're going to get this right. You actually outline in the book a, a process based on cognitive behavior to to put salespeople in a place where they can be successful in terms of overcoming those barriers that we already, as we, as we mentioned before the break, we know they're coming. But you also apply the whole process to the customer's buying cycle to help salespeople mesh up very well with them. And I, I found that to be intriguing. And, and you talk about for salespeople putting the decision before the discomfort and then making the decision to go forth and be bold. In fact, one of the, one of the stories that I wanted to hear you talk a little bit more about was uh, uh, Jim Adams. He had a great story in, in which he was making presentations to people, and, and he had said that he liked everything about his job except the sales part, <laughs> which is really interesting. But then you, you asked him to, to change his approach, and his very first question was certainly one I think we would consider to be bold. You asked him to ask the question, why am I here and that led to vastly different results. Tell us how that works and why it went that way. Yeah, you know, his, his presentation to that point was, here's how great my product is. Here's how, what we can do for you. And he was a true believer in the product. There's no question about it. But he always got a, well, we'll think about it and we'll get back to you. And so it, it, it really was the literal back of the napkin opportunity to write out the words, why am I here to extend from that, the, I wanted the opening of his presentation to say, look, you've got all kinds of people who are asking for a little bit of your time. You can't possibly give it to everybody, but you gave it to me, which indicates that something is wrong right now. If I don't have your solution, then I'm going to save us both a lot of time. Let's start with figuring out what's wrong. 
and, and just talk about you, not about my product at all. And I'll stop you if I don't think I can help, but let's just get into what's wrong. And it just completely revolutionized his sales presentation to look at it and say, you know, so many salespeople, they want to race forward to their solution. I, I, you should believe in your solution, but when you get to, a, to the solve mode too quickly, it, it really circumvents the learning that you need. If you get to the learning that you need, uh, then that solution is going to roll out right in front of you. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about with Alex Taba. When he says 90% of the sale is based on emotion, you can't address that unless you've asked the appropriate questions. You know, he had, uh, it's interesting, he had, uh, I don't remember if I put this in the book, but he had just recently sold a, a Ferrari to a woman, which is unusual anyway, because 90, 95% of Ferrari buyers are men. And uh, so now here comes this woman who's, and he, she admits to him later that she's totally intimidated. She's buying this high performance machine that, you know, can, am I going to wrap it around a tree? Do I look stupid if I don't understand engine specifications? But at the end of the day, you know, somebody who's going to drop 200, 250 large on a, on, a, on a really high end car, they've got the discretionary money. This is bling to this lady. She's got her $5,000 purse and she's got her $200,000 Ferrari. It's a totally emotional sale. You try and sell it logically, you're, 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 forget it, you're done. Well, speaking of car buying stories, you actually extended the Jim Adams story into your own example with your daughter when you decided you needed to go car buying after, I guess, after the truck blew up, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Drove me crazy. And dealership after dealership, you know, here it is, the truck that she was driving, my truck that she was driving back and forth to college, a seven-hour drive, breaks down on the freeway. That'll rattle a dad whose daughter is driving uh, his, his car. So, so that happened on a Friday. She's going back to school on a Sunday. Saturday, we're not car shopping. We are car buying. I, the last thing I said to my wife is, do you have the checkbook? This is sort of important information. For dealership, not one person even bothered to ask. We eventually bought a car, but I guarantee you nobody sold it to us. Well, wow, that's really interesting. And the first person that says, you're here for a reason, do you mind if I ask what that is, is way, way ahead of the game. Well, you know, when I'm talking to people who are brand new to sales, I will always pull them aside and I'll say, let me just give you this one piece of advice. When your customer walks through the door or when you walk into their door, you have to understand this. You don't know the backstory. Everyone has a backstory and the backstory informs the front story. But way too many sales presentations are all about what that customer is moving to and not nearly enough presentations are focused on what that customer is coming from. And that's why in part three of the book, I lay out this formula for how people make buying decisions. But the formula is sequential. It starts with the idea of what's wrong with your life long before I can begin to tell you about the solution that I have. Anything else, in my opinion, is arrogance. You talk about, Jeff, uh, you, you put all of this together for our listeners. You put all of this together in a nice little equation, which, which I like because I sort of see that linear thinking process at work. But you talk about the customer dissatisfaction. Every customer's on a mission, and we need to know what it is, and we need to know what their, their dissatisfaction is. So you'd say CD times FP, which is the future promise of the solution that they anticipate getting. When that overcomes or is greater than uh, cost and fear, and you say that's that's when decisions get made. So it really puts a huge emphasis on understanding the customer dissatisfactions and tying them very carefully to a future promise. What is what does that look like in the real world? 
Well, I think if, if you look at it from the perspective that uh, if they walked through your door of your business or if they called you or if they responded to your call, whatever your sales scenario is, that something is wrong with their life, nobody would talk to you except that something is wrong with their life, their personal life, their business life, whatever it happens to be. And, and this entire conversation is grounded with that dissatisfaction. And in fact, so many people in sales, they want to think about urgency. They talk, I, get, I hear this all the time. My customers don't have any urgency. Well, the first question that I would ask is, what is urgency based on? And I'm going to suggest that the number one motivating factor that drives urgency is dissatisfaction. The higher the dissatisfaction, the greater my need to have this issue resolved. Or if you want to look at it another way, uh, I think we, even you and I are extremely surprised at what we're willing to eat when we get hungry enough, right? If the dissatisfaction <laughs> right. is high enough, then we've got to get that cured. So we start by trying to maximize their own sense of dissatisfaction. Now the future promise that we're sharing is not our great features. It's what addresses your dissatisfaction. When the dissatisfaction is sky high and the future promise is sky high, you have a lot less work to do on overcoming the cost and the fear. That, that's, the, that's the concept is that we've got to do this in order. If you lead with the price discussion, you're, you're dead before you started. Right, right. Absolutely right. Well, and you talk about customer dissatisfaction and food at the same time. I, I'm surprised at what I'm willing to eat when I'm trying to get in shape. And uh, you, may, you mentioned that you did P90X in the book and what that customer dissatisfaction was with you having yeah. done P90X with you. I really related to that story. Why don't you share it with our audience? Yeah, you know, I was I was actually in a hotel room in Bakersfield, and uh, I remember this because the elevator was broken, and I had to pick up my suitcase, climb up two flights of stairs. By the time I lay down on the couch in that hotel room, I was gassed. I mean, I couldn't believe uh, how bad I felt. But the remote control was right in front of me, so I'm flipping through channels, and I got Tony Horton of P90X barking at me. Hey, are you out of shape? Yeah. Are you fat? Look at me. Is there, are you tired and worn out when the elevator's broken in Bakersfield and you got to climb up two flights of stairs? I'm like, dude, how did you know? And he, <laughs> he, he caught me at such a high level of dissatisfaction. But then I'm also looking at him. And at the time I'm watching this, we were both exactly the same age. He looks at the television. He says, look, me, I'm 47. I look at this. I'm looking at this guy who's totally buff. He has all of his hair. That can be me, right? That's what I'm... I mean, the mind starts racing after a while. So if my dissatisfaction is really high and my future promise is really high, now what happens on the cost fear? Hey, it's only three easy payments of $39.95. And all I got to do is watch everything I eat and exercise hard for an hour every day. How hard is that? Well, the fact of the matter is it's really, really hard. But if your dissatisfaction is high enough and the future promise is clear enough, then those will trump the cost and fear. Yeah, no doubt about it. And of course, one of the emotional concepts that comes into a buying decision, Jeff, is is always this idea of change. And many times people uh, will choose for lesser solutions simply because of, of the costs associated with change. And you talk about that extensively in the book as well. How, how do you deal with the idea that someone will simply stand pat when the cost of change is, is uh, too much for them? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one because, you know, this this is, again, how so many people are wired. I'm, I'm something of a change freak. I suspect you are too, Kelly. But so many customers out there, that's just not the way that they think. So you look at and you go, well, well what's going to cause the change? And ultimately, it's not going to be your incentive or your special or your deal of the month. Ultimately, what's going to cause the change is the idea that the dissatisfaction in staying where you are has to trump 
the fear of moving forward. And so there's a psychological play here for salespeople to look at it and ask the question, what happens if we play this forward three years and nothing changes in your circumstance, what does what your life look like? We've got to be able to build this idea that staying put is simply not an option. We've got to get people to, to separate themselves, to become unmoored from the anchors that so often hold them in place and quite to their detriment. Yeah, great illustration of Future Promise. Folks, uh, it, it's a fantastic book by Jeff Shore. It's called Be Bold and Win the Sale. Get out of your comfort zone and boost your performance. And being bold and being a bold seller is simply about understanding that there are necessary steps that salespeople have to take in order to take their performance to the next level. Jeff, I'm going to keep you over through one more break if you've got time. Can, can you do that? You got it. Hey, we'll come back on the other side, folks. We're going to take another time out. Jeff asserts that there are two types of sellers out there. We'll get his uh, details on that when we come back on the other side. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. I'm Kelly Riggs. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. It is the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. Make sure you check us out, bizlockerroom.com, and send me an email, kelly at bizlockerroom.com. You can find about our past shows and our upcoming shows and uh, get to know the people that we have on a regular basis. Also, get a sense of uh, what's going on in our world here in, in, in the terms of selling. Uh, so much of, so many of the guests that we have on board, we're talking about selling because selling, folks, absolutely makes the world go round, and there's no better conversation than guys who are talking about selling, like we are today with Jeff Shore. He is the author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. And Jeff, one of the things I wanted to explore with you, 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 don't, just ex- you don't talk about boldness in terms of business or just sales, but you also talk about it as a lifestyle and a life choice. And I know that um, uh, you're an outspoken Christian. You talk about your faith in the book itself. And I'm curious, how does boldness relate to your life and, and how does Christianity uh, impact your career in sales? 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, thanks for asking. It's a, it's the most interesting part of uh, from my perspective, simply because I'm not. Uh, I like to think I've become something of an expert on the topic, but I also recognize that I'm a pilgrim on this journey, and I suspect I always will be. And a lot of people have you know bucket lists for things they'd like to do at some point in their life. I, I don't. I have a discomfort list. And I've been chipping away at all of those things that I've always looked at it and said, I should do that. I want to do that. But my discomfort has held me back. And it's been just so much fun and so liberating to really feel like, you know, here I am at age 52, really living the life that, that I want to live on all sides and trying to figure out how do I relate boldness and the principles actually in the book to be able to uh, uh, attack those issues and to live a bigger life. And sometimes that means, okay, here are conflicts that need to be resolved that have not been resolved to take care of some uh, difficult conversations along the way. Mm -hmm. But it also speaks to the idea of doing things that I've always wanted to do. So I'm taking jazz piano lessons because because I've always loved jazz piano. I always wanted to play, but I didn't have time. Bottom line is I wasn't comfortable. Uh, in March, I joined an adult learn-to-play ice hockey class. I've been an ice hockey fan since I was eight years old, but I don't know how to ice skate. So I said, that's it. I'm not getting any younger. I'm going to play ice hockey. I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to cook. I mean, I'm just I'm doing things that I've always wanted to do, but they were there was always that discomfort barrier uh, out there. So, you know, I just want to encourage people to look at it and, and be honest with yourself, uh, where in your own life, are you held back from the things that you really feel you should do and that you really want to do, but your desire for comfort sort of gets in the way? And there's no question about it as you brought it up. Um, I use a, an, an example of the book. When we talk about that very word boldness, it can trip people up because a lot of people think, you know, bold is, you know, slick and, and uh, manipulative and, you know, the, the you know, the, the uh, white, sh- white shoes, shoes uh, plaid jacket, medallion. That's not it at all. Uh, there's a humble boldness that comes into play. And in my opinion, the greatest possible uh, um, evidence of that is in the life of Jesus Christ. He's the, the, the boldest person that ever lived, also the most humble person that ever lived, considering what he gave up. Uh, I'm going to suggest to you that that is the model. It's the model I follow, and it's a model worth following. Well, in many ways, Jeff, I, I think most people would agree with me in, in, from those who have a faith perspective, uh, is that making the decision to be a Christian and being so outwardly in your book, I mean, you could have chosen not to be outward about your, your Christian faith, uh, and perhaps the rationale could have been, you know, I'll sell fewer books if people know that. But it's a bold decision to be outward about your faith in, in society today, like, like so many things, including selling, by the way. Uh, it, is, it has gotten a bad name because of the actions of some or a few or whatever. And uh, certainly it's, it's a bold decision uh, to, to be outward about a Christian faith. But the dissatisfaction rises when you're not outward about those things that are most important to you. So in my opinion, it would have been extremely hypocritical for me not to be able to use this example uh, in the book. It, it 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 would not have been consistent with the entire message of the book. You can't say that I want to espouse this idea of boldness and then say, well, it would be uncomfortable to be bold over here, so I'm not going to do it. That's 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 hypocrisy. Yeah, absolutely right. Let's go back as uh, we get ready to close. Let's go back to your process. Number one, every customer is on a mission. We need to know what it is. Number two, we need to figure out what their dissatisfaction or discomforts are and deliver a future promise. In fact, you say in the absence of, of life improvement, there is no sale. 
But uh, I was interested to how you connected the two types of salespeople into this process. You said there are salespeople who are uh, understand or are looking at things from where the customer is coming from, and others of where the customer is moving to. Explain the difference and which one's most important. Well, in the diagnostic of that, the first thing you have to do is ask uh, is evaluate the discovery. You have to look at a salesperson's discovery pattern. You have to look at the very questions that they ask. And uh, there are from questions and there are to questions. And I think what you're going to find is that the overwhelming majority of salespeople are leading with two questions. What are you looking for? What are you moving to? What, what, what's, you know, how much do you want to spend? What is your price point? Who are the decision makers? This is all about moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. But I think the best salespeople out there are the ones who complement the way that people actually buy, and that comes to the idea of understanding what they're coming from. So there's those those questions that are centered more around, tell me about your journey, tell me about, about, about why you were here in the first place, about what's going on in your life, about what caused you to either take my call or for you to call me. You've got to be able to get in and say, replay this, just play it back for me, tell me everything that happened before this conversation and that'll help me to understand your perspective and where you're coming from. And when you think about it, you know, that's this is exactly the way that our customers want to do business. Our customers, above everything else, when they're dealing with a salesperson, they wish to be understood. The greatest praise that you can get as a salesperson is for your customer to look at you and say, she gets me. He, he That guy gets me. If we can get that praise, that's what we ought to be coveting. Well, I love the connection you make from from that aspect of asking the right kinds of questions to to the the trap that people fall into in terms of discounting and how many times in in fact discounting leads us inexorably down a path where there is no return. Uh, and and you had a really great uh, illustration in your book about shopping at Macy's versus shopping at Nordstrom. How, how how does this to and from idea relate to discounting in that process? Well, first of all, the earlier you get into discounting, the more you're going to take it into the cost-fear discussion and away from the dissatisfaction and future promise discussion. In other words, the formula at that point is is out of order and it doesn't work. But if I'm going to look at it from the perspective that you know so many uh, retailers, and I think certainly Macy's a prime example of this, they want to lure you in, and while you're in the store, everything is 25 and 50 and clearance and all that, and it's all about how you can save, 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 save. But it doesn't address the issue about who you are as an individual and why the product might work best for you. It's one of the reasons why I absolutely love shopping at Nordstrom because I'm dealing with someone who will ask questions like, tell me about what's missing in your wardrobe right now. That's a from question, not a to question, although that answer will inform where I'm going next. So we really want to look at it from that perspective. How do we... How, how do we um, uh, stay away from the dollar discussion. We'll talk about dollars. We know we'll talk about dollars. But one of the things that you may think that you've got a great deal, you've got a great promotion, you've got a great incentive. Here's the newsflash. There's no such thing as a great deal on a product that your customer doesn't like very much. So if that particular product that you're offering does not match a dissatisfaction, you're spinning your wheels, you're wasting your incentive. It doesn't make any sense at all. Well, it's, uh, it's, an, it's an amazing book, folks. Again, I want to send you that way, jeffshore.com. You can get his book in, 
in uh, soft cover. You can get it on Kindle uh, for it at Amazon. This is a book that you need to put into your library. If you're in sales and you don't own this one, I think you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball. It's not that so much of what you discuss, Jeff, is 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 new. I don't I don't think many of us in in the sales training business are doing anything new. It just comes down to how well you communicate those principles that really work. And I commend you because your your research in cognitive therapy and and translating that into real-world application really made a lot of sense for me, and I think it's going to be the same for those reading the book. I appreciate that very much, Kelly. Thank you. Great stuff. Great to have you on board, Jeff. We'll talk to you again soon, and best of luck to you as you move forward. God bless. Thanks. Very good. That's Jeff Shore. You can find his book at jeffshore.com. We'll talk more about it uh, as we go along, but you want to add this one to the list. We're going to take our last time out, our final time out, and when we come back on the other side, my good friend Miles Austin will jump into the business locker room with us, and we'll talk about mind mapping, and I would have loved to have put together a mind map as we were moving along in my conversation with Jeff, uh, because it is that's just really good stuff. If you're process-driven, if you're looking for some answers as to the kinds of questions you should be asking as a salesperson, uh, certainly uh, Jeff's book is going to lead you in that direction. We'll take that last time out. Thanks for listening to the Business Locker Room. We'll come back on the other side with our X's and O's segment. It is brought to you by 4D Sales. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs, your host. Again, find us at bizlockerroom.com. Follow me at Kelly Riggs. We move into the X's and O's segment, and it is brought to you, of course, by our partner in the show, 4D Sales, a tool that both Miles and I use and uh, really rave about. It's a tablet-based sales tool you can use on iPad or Windows 8 devices. And for salespeople, it is absolutely a godsend. It's a product that you can use to put all of your sales materials together in a very, very easy-to-use format. 
just just shuffle through the interleaved uh, pieces that you have, whether it's a price list or a brochure, a slide deck, a web page, a PDF, even videos, easily accessible right in front of a customer. And if they ask you, Kate, can I get that PDF or that slide deck slide or any of the materials that you have, it's just two clicks and it's in their email box. Uh, trust me, I've been in the sales and marketing business for a very long time, over 30 years now, and it's one of those tools that we all wish we would have always had. I want to encourage you to go check them out. 4D Sales, you can find them at 4dsales.com, and they'll uh, give you a test drive. Miles, with, speaking of a test drive, we started out last week talking about mind mapping, and in case someone's joining us for the first time, by the way, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Glad to be here, buddy. Talk, tell me a little bit about mind mapping. What are we doing with this idea? What's it for? How does it work? Well, you know, it's funny. I struggled with mind mapping um, early on because I thought it was something for the really smart people in the room. And what I figured out was it is, but it's <laughs> also for those of us that aren't quite that bright. So, um, you know, I, I like a lot of people, I've discovered over the years working with sales talent that um, many of them are what I call visual thinkers. They're not step-by-step, logical, linear thinking, uh, linear thinkers in their approach. They, they see a big picture and they visualize things. And sometimes connecting the dot from step one to step two to step three and then looking backwards and seeing how it all relates and interconnects is a challenge. And, and very frankly, I was struggling with a specific activity. And you mentioned your book, It Relates to Writing, and I was just, I had so many ideas, but I, I couldn't get my head organized in a way that I could see it in a visual way that my brain could say, aha, I get it, until a good friend of mine and a mentor forced me, literally forced me in person to sit down with them and draw it out using some mind map principles. And I wasn't 20 minutes into that exercise, and I was grinning from ear to ear, and I thought, you know what, this is exactly what people that think like I do need to make it go from an idea and break through to an actual plan of attack. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of mind mapping as well, and the, the illustration that you use with a book, I, most people who have written a book uh, will have some familiarity with the idea of storyboarding. And uh, a lot of times people will use post-it notes for that. And you write ideas and, you know, s- chapter ideas and things, and you start moving them around on a, you know, a big board. And, and it, it gives you the ability to see everything because, again, like you said, it's uh, as linear thinkers, sometimes it's hard to get our arms around, you know, 20, 30, 40 chapters in a book. But if I could just see it up on the wall, well, a mind mapping tool enables you to do that even easier and then move those pieces and parts around. And in my experience, uh, Miles, and I'll call on you for yours as well, is that you start with a big idea in the middle and then all the ideas that connect to it kind of like spokes on a wheel and you start creating these these big uh, repositories of ideas out around the main idea. And that I, I had great success with it when I was writing my book. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's, again, I think it's the visualization of it. When you put that core idea in the middle, whatever that topic might be, and you can use images or graphics or symbols or some kind of word codes or whatever whatever flows in your mind, um, it's a lot like brainstorming from the standpoint, you, there's no wrong or right way to do it. You just get it out there, get it up there, and then you start to build the links. And what I find is when I put that core topic, that's usually where I'm struggling. Okay, I got it, but what do I... What do I want to wrap around it? And then all of a sudden, I get one or two ideas, 
And then I go, oh, wait, that idea connects, that's a branch off of that. And you start connecting and connecting and connecting and connecting. And now I might be six levels out in my little diagram. And all of a sudden I think, wait a minute, what about tying it back to the core? And now I've got a second topic. And so I find it very frankly, I use it now all the time in preparing for my presentations and my speeches to sales conferences and things because it makes me focus in on the topic. It helps me visualize I'm not missing some really key important parts. And very frankly, a thing that I struggled with, it is always very helpful to help me bring it back and wrap it up back to the original topic that started the whole presentation in the first place. Miles Austin is our guest, as always, in the X's and O's segment, brought to you by 4D Sales, 4dsales.com. Let's talk tools. You've got a couple for us. FreeMind is the first one. You can use that on Mac or PC. And then you have another one for iPad called MindMeister. Let's start with FreeMind. Tell us a little bit about that product. Well, the key piece is it, it is multi-platform, so anyone should be able to use it. The other key piece is it's free, and, and one of the things I encourage people, there are some really advanced, this stuff can get kind of scientific and big brain if you let it, but I always tell people, look, don't spend any money yet. When you're getting started, just get, the, uh, get a basic package, get it one for free. FreeMind has rave reviews. Um, there's great manuals, instructions. I have an ebook on my site. If you register, you're going to get about a 30-page set of of guidelines on how to use it and create it. Um, but what happens is you have an ability then to capture your ideas, not just on a napkin or on a piece of paper, but get it up on the screen and then share it with others. I found very, very easy to do um, when I'm doing screen share meetings with clients or with peers or mentors um, that will get something up on the board and we're literally just drawing a mind map live on the screen and again, everyone has the ability then to save it and then to open it, whether a Mac or a PC, because the format is what will usually get people in trouble. If you use um, different tools um, that are out there, if you just Google search mind map, you're going to find 50 of them. Um, the problem is, is that usually that format will only work in that. And FreeMind will take several other formats, and it's universal because it's free, so a lot of people will have access to open your mind map and interact with it, even if they don't want to buy an expensive program. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of the best of all possible worlds for uh, for those of us who use these tools. Number one, it's free. Number two, it works on all platforms and interchangeable. And uh, you know, the, the one that I've used for so many years is uh, uh, MindJet. Uh, MindJet Mind Manager, and, and I liked it, but it was not free, and I'm, I'm not sure when FreeMind came out or if I just went with that one because it was what was available at the time, but it, it can't work any better than that, and, and then you're also saying that it can be used by multiple people. Is that right? Right. Well, and again, what I if you're looking, and as you know, I'm a big advocate of using the web and using video screen capture or live video feeds to instruct and share ideas. And so if you picture, if I've got my free mind open on my screen and now I'm sharing my screen with seven other people in our meeting and what I'm drawing around and moving um, can have action. So like if I'm using GoToMeeting as the meeting platform and I give you the mouse, you can start moving and doing things within that same screen. The beauty again is when all of our masterpiece is created, we can save it and share it as a physical file. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic tool. Well, let's uh, let's move our attention then over to MindMeister, and I know that's a tool that's it's been around a little while. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's uh, actually was created by a German-based company, 
uh, hence Mind Meister, M-E-I-S-T-E-R. Tell us about that particular product. Well, the reason that I ended up using it and I, and I recommend it is I, I have probably, if you looked at my iPad, I probably have six or seven of these, maybe more of these, and many of them are for a fee, um, small fees on an iPad. But um, what I found was MindMaster was the most intuitive for the core concepts of what mind mapping is. It, you know, Some of these tools will give you 15 different um, ways to show the, the lines, if you will, between the connections and things. I don't want all of that. I think we can get too fancy sometimes. And what I really enjoyed was that MindMeister, of all of them that I've used on iPad specifically, that was the one that I kept going back to. I bought it. I was probably maybe third in my purchase cycle of evaluation of these. And I kept going back to it when I just needed to get one done. And I think that, for me, is always a good indication. If that's the one you trust and you go to, that's the one that probably is the best for you. So is that the one you rely on most? I know it's, it's basically iPad-based. Can, can you pull it up on a desktop as well, or is it strictly limited? Um, you know, I've never used it on anything else other than my iPad because, um, the, you know, one of the beauties, like we've talked about with 40 sales, you know, and, and, and they're a great solution, an iPad is always there. It's instant on. It's, it can be always with you. Um, I don't always have my laptop. You know, I don't have my MacBook or my desktop around. And a lot of times, I, I literally have done mind maps in a car. I'll be listening to a radio show, as an example. And I'll hear um, one of the, one of the uh, uh, commentators make a statement or a comment or a talking on a certain topic. And I literally will pull over, open it up, and start drawing a few things so I can capture my thinking at the time. Um, what I found was it's a lot easier for me. It's more effective, I should say. If I capture a mind map, now that I've gotten used to this way of doing things, then just if I capture either some notes that I'll try to type in crudely on my, my iPad um, or even voice, because there were times when I just try to record things, that can be helpful. But when I can mind map it, I've got something that I know I can expand on because, again, I'm a visual thinker. And I can see it visually, it pops really quickly, and then it brings back all the recollection of where I wanted to go with the thinking. Well, I, as I looked it over, I got to tell you, I was very, very impressed with MindMeister. Again, it's mind, M-E-I-S-T-E-R.com because it, it not only does mind mapping, but it extends to other things like creating presentations and other things like that. So full disclosure, by the way, MindMeister, although it is free, the basic uh, app is free and they, they, they do have some paid versions that really extend the amount of uh, capabilities that you have on there. Now, you, you mentioned an ebook, Miles. Tell the people where that is because I know that's a great resource. Um, absolutely. If they just go to uh, if they go to the website right now, it's currently the the ebook that we're giving for free to all of our subscribers. So just go to to uh, fillthefunnel.com. Right on the very top, you're going to see a place to subscribe to our newsletter, which simply means once a month, sometimes twice a month, you're going to get an update on all the new tools we're talking about. And by simply putting in your email address and clicking uh, register or subscribe, you're going to get an email back saying, hey, thanks. And as one way to show our appreciation, we're going to send you uh, the link to download this uh, 30-page guide on the Jumpstart Guide to FreeMind at no cost. And uh, just for what it's worth, we do these on a regular basis. So our next one coming up, our next free ebook, which all of your our subscribers will get, is the same format, the same concept on Evernote, which we've talked about on an earlier show. You bet. Yeah, I've become a big Evernote fan. Well, folks, that's uh, going to do it for our show. Again, we've been talking mind mapping. 
And if you want to know more about it, I know that Miles has a five-post series on his blog at fillthefunnel.com. That will make for good reading. And you'll get a sense of this makes sense for you. I can tell you you can use it in all sorts of activities, everything from strategic planning to sales planning uh, to writing books, anything that requires visibility to a lot of pieces and parts and steps and all of those kinds of things. And uh, there's no better place to go learn then with Miles Austin at fillthefunnel.com. Mr. Austin, as always, great to have you on board. My pleasure, my friend. Super deal. That's going to wrap it up for us here on the Business Locker Room Show. A great show. Jeff Shore was with us earlier, and uh, great to have him on board. Follow him at Twitter, at Jeff Shore. Find his website at jeffshore.com. His great, great book that I highly recommend to you, Be Bold and Win the Sale. Get out of your comfort zone and boost your performance. Hey, we want to ask you to go subscribe to our website, our podcast. You can do that at iTunes. You can do it at bizlockerroom.com. like to make you a regular listener. And by the way, always have the opportunity to send me an email, kelly at bizlockerroom.com. Many thanks to our engineer on the other side of the glass, Michael Sergit, who always makes us sound better than I really am. Randy Jackson is our executive producer. Again, next week, David Burkus will join us. We'll talk about his book, The Myths of Creativity. This is a guy that's published in Forbes and the Harvard Business Review blog and a lot of different places uh, as well. And then the Leader Lab podcast. Can't wait to have him on. That's going to do it for us in this edition of the Business Locker Room. Thanks for joining us. I'm Kelly Riggs. I'll see you next week in the Business Locker Room. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of the Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.